Today, um, I want to share from Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1 through several verses, uh, but I want to start in verse 1 in a minute. I want to title today's message, um, Hiding Behind Fig Leaves. Hiding Behind Fig Leaves. And so I, I, don't, I don't have any. You, you, have you ever seen a fig tree? You know how big the leaves are? They're not very big, are they? Now, this is a magnolia tree. It's best I got. <laughs> Y'all going to give you a visual. Now, I, 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 was, uh, I was at my house. And I got to thinking, now, Marty, there ain't no way. You're going to hide very much with these. You know what I'm saying? They just ain't big enough in, in any shape, form, or fashion to cover this. And I thought, man, that's so my wife. She wasn't impressed. She wasn't impressed at all. But I got to thinking about this. And, you know, and that's a pretty good-sized leaf. I mean, you could put them together. I, I almost tried to sew them together, but... I mean, that, that would, you know, that wouldn't be too bad, right? Wouldn't be too bad. That covers a little bit. But you think it would cover a lot more, but when you start putting it up to something that needs to be covered up, it ain't that much. And so I was thinking about this message, and I got to thinking about how we try to cover up things in our life, and we think it's completely covered up. But people on the outside are looking and saying, man, I see everything that you're trying to cover up. And that led me to today's message, hiding behind fig leaves. And I'm going to preach this message a little different than I normally preach a Sunday morning. I'm going, I mean, a, a Sunday morning, yes. I'm going to preach it from the, kind of from the position that I teach on preach on Wednesday night with hopefully a lot more zeal. Because I believe the Lord has laid this on my heart for us today and for everyone who will be watching online and the people who attend this church but are not attend in attendance today. And I want you to encourage them to, uh, to go watch this. In Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1, <clears throat> Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. I want to say this from the beginning that God made the devil. Cut me down just a little bit, fellas. God made the devil. The devil is no match. He is not on the same plane. He's not at the same level. He's not at the same hierarchy as God. He is a created being by God. So if you think man, God is and devil are fighting and they're struggling and don't know if the, God's going to pull this one out, I'm here to tell you that God's already pulled it out. He is the potter. He's not the clay. And the Bible teaches that the clay cannot tell the potter what he wants to be. So you know what that tells me? God already has won your battle. Okay, so don't get confused with who the devil is. And he said to the woman, meaning Satan, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, 
But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat. Pay attention to this next clause. Nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. I want to bring out something from Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. This is why your pastor is always on you about reading your Bible and studying your Bible. And devotion is not simply enough. You must read and study your Bible because God did not say what he quoted. We think because she said it and God said that that's what God said, but that's not what God said. Listen to chapter 2, verse 16. What God really said was this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. Verse 17, But of the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. He nowhere, in, in, you can read from Genesis 1 Genesis to Genesis 12. You can read in Hebrews. You can read the whole Bible. And it never says that you shouldn't touch it. You say, okay, well, she just added an extra layer of protection because she didn't even want to touch it. Well, that's not necessarily true in this case. Watch what happens. Now, in verse 1, the Bible says that the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. He was the best deceiver ever made. He could deceive the best. He was a deceiver. The Bible refers to Satan as the father of lies that he come to kill, steal, and destroy. He is a great, he is the best deceiver ever. You can't even argue that fact that Satan is the best deceiver. But watch what happens. He is good about changing the terminology, using the truth to a degree, but changing terminology. This is what he told him. Has God indeed said, now listen, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This is what God really said. He said it this way, of every tree. He starts out, Satan starts out putting a little bit of dissension between Eve and God. Saying, see, he don't want you to have everything. And God says, no, you can eat of every tree except this one. And the devil puts a spin on says, you, you can't really eat of every tree? You see, you see how that thought begins? It's like, well, he's holding back something from me. God must be holding something back from me because he didn't want me to eat of every tree. Eve wasn't paying attention to what God said. She started listening to the enemy. Watch this. Let me, let me continue. And the woman said... We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, this is verse 3, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, unless you die. Now, here's what happens. This is what I, I think may have happened on that day. That Eve made that statement, the devil is, he is, he is in tune with how you speak and what you speak. He knows what's coming out of your mouth. Let me tell you something. The devil knows the word of God. Come on. He knows what this Bible says better than you and I. He knows it. He understands it. And he's waiting for you to misquote so he can interject his thought process or get you to think oddly against God. 
So watch what he does. So when she made this statement that you shall not touch it unless you die, Satan's automatically, his antennas went up. I believe he took Eve, shoved her against the tree and said, see, you're not dying. You're not going to die. Look, look, look. He has her pinned to the tree. You're not dying. It won't kill you. What does that do? It raises some kind of doubt in Eve's mind that maybe God wasn't completely truthful. That maybe God is asleep on the job. That maybe God doesn't care for me like I thought he did. And he pulls her from the tree and says, see, you're alive. And she looks around and says, man, that's, that's right. He used part of the truth and took what she misinterpreted to be the factual word of God. She took that word and thought it was what God said. She built a theology on it. She built a doctrine on it and said, I can't even touch it. And all of a sudden, the devil pushes the tree, pulls her back and says, your doctrine is wrong. Your theology about God has just been dismantled. Man, how do we do that? We, we live on and we make up things that the Bible says and God didn't say it. And then we wonder why we're so defeated all the time. Because you're living on a promise that you thought God gave you and he didn't give it to you. Woo, preacher, you're doing good this morning. Gets better. Satan had a bait and switch on words, if you will. When he proclaimed in a different tone, a different manner. Are you sure you can't eat of all those trees? I don't know if I'd want to serve a God that wouldn't want to give me all the good stuff. It was said like this about God in your life and my life. That you and I, we're just one piece of this large thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. And all we see is right here. And we're wondering where do we fit in? How's God going to make this work? Look at all my crooked jags and edges. I've tried a million different spots in my life and I hadn't fit in any of them. And God's standing over the universe like he does, keeping guard and watch. And he says, I know the plans I have for you and what you're trying is not what I want you to do. But if you get plugged into God and get plugged into God's word and understand his word, God can take that piece of the puzzle. You know, if that whole thing was made, you ever put together a puzzle and you lack one piece and you'll turn, when we were kids, mom loved to put together puzzles. And she would have my father cut out uh, little pieces of plywood and we would put that on there and she'd glaze over that and make it a piece. But you couldn't, you couldn't do that until every piece was in that puzzle. And it would never fail because when you had four kids running around, there's going to be a piece of the puzzle missing, right? And, and we'd get down there and we would like one or two pieces to this puzzle. And we would search under the coffee table, under the rug. We would go under the couch. We would be, Mom says, you got to find it because if you don't find it, we can't use this one. We can't, uh, can't glaze over this one to make it beautiful. And, man, we would search sometimes for hours looking for that one piece, just one piece. And sometimes we found it, and we were so excited. And sometimes we never found that piece. Maybe it never came in the box. We don't know, but we never found that piece. And you know what we had to do? We had to take that puzzle and throw that away because it, it, it wasn't complete. Nobody ever said, you never take anybody into the house and, and, and with a look at a puzzle. Isn't this beautiful? And they're thinking, well, man. There's seven pieces missing. You wouldn't dare do that. 
That's the way we look at our lives so many times. God's saying, look, I see what I have for you. There's no missing pieces. You just need to get plugged into the right spot. Did you hear what I said? You need to get plugged into the right spot. There's a spot for you. There's a place for you in the kingdom of God. There's a place for you in this church. There's a place for you in ministry. You just got to get plugged in. Quit saying, well, I don't fit there. I don't like this. I don't, well, I don't like a lot of things either. But God never asked me that I like them. It's not, it's not up to me to like it or not. It's up to me to serve God. There's things I go through in my life as a Christian that I don't like. I wish God would change them, but God doesn't change them. I wish God would do it a different way. I wish there was a different outcome, but there hadn't been. But guess what? I still got to serve God. It does, it's not about my feelings. It's not about your feelings. It's not about what you like or dislike. It's about kingdom building. You might not want to be the corner piece of the puzzle. You might want to be right in front and the center, but God didn't create you to be that way. God's got a place for you. You get plugged in. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy 12, 32, the Bible says this. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away. What did Eve do? She added to what God had said. A lot of times in modern uh, world Christianity, we want to take away from what God said because he's telling us to do something that we don't like. Well, I don't want to do it that way. I'm just going to omit that. Lord, I want your blessings, but I don't want to pray. Lord, I want your blessings. I want you to fill my home, but I don't want to get rid of the stuff in my home. Lord, I, I want to be used of you, but I want to do what I want to do. I'm preaching way better than your amen in me this morning. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat, uh, that you eat of it. Now Satan is continuing the conversation with Eve. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See how he is so tactful. He didn't quite lie to Eve. He didn't really just explain everything. He didn't go into some expository uh, preaching either. He said, God knows. What does that do? That puts a thought in her head says, okay, he's supposed to know everything. God knows. And then what does he do? That if you eat of this, your eyes, is going to, your eyes will be open. If God knows that my eyes are going to be open, he must be holding something back from me. Come on. He's holding something back. What does that do? When you think God's holding back from you, you get aggravated. You say, oh, pastor, I've never thought God was holding back on me. Liar. When you prayed for something, somebody in your life to be healed, and they didn't get healed, and you're told that God is Jehovah Rapha, your healer, There's not a person in this room that wouldn't say, God, I have a little bit against you for not healing me or healing them or answering that prayer. You think Eve was any different? Just a side note here. If Satan, the greatest deceiver ever, attacked the second person ever to live on this earth, my friend, you are not immune 
from the attack, from the deception of the devil. I don't care who you are, how long you've been in church, if your mama and your daddy has got, I don't care if you go to the church where they got the, your name popped on the end of the pew. It says donated by or in honor of whatever. You know why we don't do that at this church? Because there's nothing in honor of anybody at this church. We honor God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you, that's sacrilegious or anything. I'm just saying you get some people, I've been to those churches and moved the pew, and all hell breaks loose in the church. So you're coming, so, you, so the reason you're coming to church is probably to make sure nobody takes the sticker off the pew. Because, you know, that wouldn't be godly. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate. Watch what happened. Eve experienced three things. She experienced the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Just in a matter of a few minutes, a few seconds probably, she experienced the, the lust of the eye, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. How did this happen? How did this happen, you, you might ask yourself. When you quit, listen to what I'm saying. I wrote this down because I don't want to miss one of these. When you quit praying, when you quit reading your Bible, when you quit worshiping, and when you quit assembling together, when you stop serving in the church, when you become isolated from the things of God, which leads you to having conversations with the wrong people, now you have found yourself sewing together and hiding behind fig leaves. One thing leads to another. She got caught up in this tree, looks good. It's for my wisdom. It's pleasant to the eye. She allowed those things that shouldn't even have been in the world. Those things that you and I deal with, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes because we want things, this pride of life. I want to be like some. I want to be better than I am. I want to be smarter. I want to be like God. And she allowed those things to take over and said, I think that's a good idea. It happens to us. How do we get there? Watch this. If you read Scripture, e, uh, Adam probably wasn't right there. She was probably alone in the garden, walking by herself, and she came upon this tree that she knew she wasn't supposed to eat of. And she stops and begins to have a conversation with the deceiver of the universe. What do you think is going to happen? No, I'm smarter than that. Get ready, you're fixing to fall. Pride comes right before the fall. By yourself, listen to me, intellectually by yourself, you're no match for the devil. He'll tear you, he'll eat you up and spit you out like nothing. But with Christ living in you, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's why you got you can't you can't get away from prayer. You can't get away from Bible reading. You can't get away from worship. You can't get away from assembling yourselves together. You can't get away from serving and think you're gonna go out and defeat the enemy. You're fooling yourself. You are already deceived, sir, ma'am. You're deceived before you ever get started to think that those things I can do without and still be an overcomer. I guess what we need to do is start preparing your funeral. 
because you're fixing to die. Not physically, but spiritually. That's an antidote for death almost immediately. All the devil needs is you to mess up and think God said one thing when he didn't. And what does he do? He capitalizes on your ignorance. That's what he does, church. Boy, it's quiet in this church today. Now, last week, y'all was shouting good because the band was here. Y'all raising your hands. Hoo-hoo, yahoo. Where you at now? He was to stir up the gifts. I'm to keep you operating in the gifts. I'm to keep you in the pew, saved, on your way to heaven, working for the Lord, helping others not be deceived. I heard it. I didn't know if y'all heard it. It's quiet up in here. Wish I had a pen. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. When you start doing wrong here, your pastor this morning, when you start getting out of the will of God, when you start doing things that you know God, are not doing things God's called you to do, when you start slacking in your prayer life, when you start lacking in your worship, when you start lacking in, 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 in coming to church and you got other things going on, and hear me out. I am saying coming to church is important. It's a commandment. It's not an option. In Acts chapter 2, the first church that, uh, that, that was ever established, the thing that happened was they said they went to the temple and they were in one accord and then they started doing these other things and they would pray and they would break bread and they'd do all these things. But they were in the temple, Hebrews 10, 25. It's not a suggestion. It says that you should not forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner is of some. Now you can't get around it and you say, well, preacher, you're just, uh, you're, you're just saying it because you want me to come. Yeah, What's your point? You're exactly right. Ask yourself, why do I want you to come? That's what you need to ask. Why should I be at church? This ain't even part of the message. This is just an extra. Why should I be at church? I don't do anything. Ding, 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 ding. There it is. You don't do anything. You need to get there and get plugged in because there's things for you to do in the kingdom. It's not about so you can be seen. I believe with all of my heart. I believe this. The longer I pastor, the more I've been in ministry. I believe that people, they, they like it for a little while because everybody's talking about them. And then when people quit talking about what, how good they're doing or what they're doing, guess what? They want to quit and say, God's called me to do something else. Well, I just got this sneaky suspicion that what you think God wants you to do is be in front center pulpit ministry. Shout me down now. This message is for your good. It is for my good. You cannot think that you're hiding behind these fig leaves and that no one else sees. It's like you doing this. Y'all can't see me, can you? 
You ever played those games with kids? Papa, you see me? Mm-hmm. Papa, you still see me? I don't see you anymore. And then she takes off and you running like you don't see her. That's what we do in the church with God. You don't see me. Church, you don't see me, do you? You know I was on fire, but I ain't no more. You don't see me. Yeah, we see you. We're not blind. People think I can just go do this for, and slip out and do this and do this, and, and I'm okay. No, you're not okay. You're on a slippery slope. And the devil sees that. You can't be called to ministry and not do ministry and think you're going to stay close to God. It doesn't happen that way. That's foolish. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. And they heard, verse 8, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, they hid themselves. The church didn't hide from them. They hid themselves. Who did they hide? Themselves. What were they running from? God. Who were they trying to get out of their life? God. What happened? They made a mistake. They did something wrong. We call it sin. But this is what happened in the church. You don't like what happened. You don't like what somebody said. So I'm going to run and hide myself. I'll take my chicklings and we'll go home. We'll go to the next church down the road. Well, the next church down the road is trying to build the kingdom. You'll be hurt there too. You'll be upset there too. And you'll hide yourself there too. And then eventually you won't even hide in the church. You'll hide at home. Boy, I got another message in that. And when you hide at home, what are you hiding from your kids? The gospel. Well, I read to mine. I pray for my kids. You're hiding the gospel from them. Because if you don't do the commandments, you're hiding the gospel from them. If you're not showing up and serving and all those things, and I can tell you this, you won't do it long at home by yourself. You say, Pastor, I don't mean, where you come up with this? I've been there, done that. And you're not immune. Boy, if I tell you what, if I could shake a leg now, I would. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God among the trees of the garden. Can you imagine Adam and Eve? I got to do it. Standing in the tree line. I don't think he sees it. I think we're going to get out of this one. I think, look, see, he's going the other way right now. He don't even see it. You dummy. You ever stood in the tree line, maybe when you're hunting or just, and, and you, you, or knew someone was there and you're scanning for them, you can't see them because they're pretty well hidden, but they can see you because their eyes are wide open and they're hiding from you. Adam and Eve thought they could hide from God, the creator of the universe. He could with one, with just one thought, he could have had this thought, remove all trees. And Adam and Eve been standing there naked. Come on. 
And we think that we got God figured out. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Well, what do the trees represent? We understand that God fixing to put them out of the garden. The, the, the garden is a representation of bondage and separation from God. You want to hide yourself now behind your fig leaves? Because when you hide yourself, you're acknowledging to God, I've done something wrong, and now I'm separating myself from you. Did you hear what I said? You are acknowledging that you have done something wrong in you. The Bible said they hid themselves. God didn't hide from them. They hid from him. Matter of fact, God came looking for them. But when you, when you start failing, you start hiding. And you're going to slip back into that old junk you used to be into. I'm sorry if you thought when you get saved that you, it was all going to be fine and dandy. and You didn't hear that here. You may have heard that somewhere, but you didn't hear that here, that everything's going to be great. Your life's going to turn around. Everything's going to be yoo-hoo and a yahoo, and we'll get you a moon pie and RC cola. Well, it don't work that way. Let me go on and preach and finish. Verse 9, then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? Some of us today think that God don't know where we're at, Bobby. I'm hiding from God and he's trying to find me. See, the Bible said, where are you at? Where are you at? He's, he's, not, he's not flying over the top of the, uh, the trees looking down and seeing if he can find you. He knows where you are. He knows why you got where you are. He knows why you wanted to hide yourself. He's not playing hide and seek with you saying, man, I hope they show up because it's getting dark and I got to get back to heaven and boy, they got to get back to their house. We got to hurry and get this done. God knows where you are. You're not fooling anybody. You're not even fooling the church. More or less God. Woo! Okay, here we go. So he said, this is Adam. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He was afraid of God, the one that had breathed the breath of life into him, that had formed him out of the dust and gave him all authority to name every living creature. He had great communion. He was the only human that God communicated with because he was the only one. He communicated. He, he had an intimate a relationship with Adam. And he said, now I'm afraid of you. Why? Because God had done something terrible. Because God had beat him? Because God had threatened to kill him? No. Because Adam was afraid because he had rebelled against God. This message could have well been titled, My Rebellion Against God. And you'll see why in the next few minutes. And God said... Who told you you were naked? It wasn't because God was looking for the culprit that he didn't know who it was. He wasn't stumped to think, hmm, I wonder who who came on the scene because there's only two here. Who was this? Man, 
Let me call a committee meeting in heaven with all of the angels. Let me get Gabriel and Michael here. They surely know something. And let's figure out what's going on. Let's have a, a debate about this. Let's get a psychologist in here. And let's figure out what's going on in your life. Well, I can tell you what's going on in your life. You're hiding yourself from God. Who told you you were naked? And then he makes this statement. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? When you don't follow God's commands, listen to me. When you do not follow God's command and you do not worship the true living God. And when you, do, when you put other gods in front of God. And when you don't participate in serving and building the kingdom. And when you don't attend church regularly. Guess what you are doing? You're going against the commands of God. What happened when Adam and Eve went against the command of God? They died. Spiritually speaking. They rebelled against God. I don't like what you said, God. I don't like it that you're holding this tree from me. You know, that's what the devil said. Instead of them saying, Lord, you gave me everything, but this one tree, it didn't entice me, and I had to go get it. I had to just go get some fruit from this one tree. I know there's a gajillion others, and you said I could eat of every herb and every fruit of every tree except that one. And that's what I did, God. But they wouldn't admit it. See, we don't, we won't, Ever, hardly, ever, ever admit our rebellion against God. And this is what he says. This is why he brings it up. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you and that, that you should not eat? And then here it hits on now. I mean, humanity has kicked in to its greatest level. I titled the next few verses, The Blame Game. Because it's not our fault that we rebelled. It's got to be somebody else's problem. It's got to be the preacher. It's got to be the situation. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. But it's not my fault. Because I'm holy. I'm God. I pray at least three times a day. And I take communion every week. I don't care if you take it every minute and you pray every minute of the day. If you ain't right relationship with God, you are rebelling against God. You can pray and seek God, and if you don't keep his commandments, you're in rebellion against God. Tell me how much you pray. If you were sincere, and if I was sincere in our prayers, we wouldn't rebel against God. That's a lie. We wouldn't want to, but we would, because we're human. And somehow you think because you spit out, I'm in prayer, I'm in fasting, I'm in this, that I won't rebel. Get ready. You're fixing to rebel. Period. It's called humanity. If Adam and Eve, with no sin around, only had one command that they couldn't eat of that tree and they failed, who are you and I to think that we got this thing? No, that thing got you. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, that heifer, 
she gave me of the tree and I ate. Oh, I can see him. I can hear it now. Adam came up with new words to call his lovely bride yesterday, but today she's a heifer, she's a scallywag, she's a skank. What happened to this woman that you gave me, God? Also, about, just so you know, God, it's your fault. If you hadn't gave it to me, I wouldn't be here. Come on. Woo! That's what he's thinking. He, try, he tried to put on, on the woman. And you know, God, you gave her to me. I didn't ask for her. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a woman. He didn't. God's one said, ain't good for that ignorant fellow to be alone. He needs some help. I got to treat him a woe man. So the blame game. First, it's the woman, the woman you gave me. The woman you now it's you, God. It's a woman and you. Y'all have made, y'all put me in this position. And I have no, I have no other thing to do now. So I must leave the church. I must get out of ministry. I must not do that. Woo! I must not serve. I can't do that. Because you, you know, and the body and the clique of the church. <clears throat> golly, you just make it. You do, I can't do it. It's only a clique because you ain't in it. If it's in it, you wouldn't call it a clique. Got two amen some people's honest. I don't like clicks. Matter of fact, I said something to you, but I don't like that word this morning, didn't I? I don't like it. It's not a click. Here's the problem. You see people worshiping, getting in, serving, doing all the things that they need to do, and you're not because you don't want to, because you're rebelling against God. You say, <laughs> Who do they think they are? I bet I pray more than they do. Maybe you do. But you ought to start praying for you instead of somebody else because you need it. If my wife was in here, I'd tell her to crank up the car. She is. Honey, go crank up the car. Then the man said, I repeat it, verse 12. The woman you gave me to be with, she gave me the tree of the tree and I ate. Here's humanity's excuses. If I hadn't been molested when I was a child, I wouldn't have turned out this way. Come on, I'm not saying those things don't affect you. But what you're telling me that if you're that away because of an event that happened back here and now you say you're a blood-bought child of God, then you're telling me that the blood of Jesus is not sufficient. You're telling me that the blood of Jesus cannot do what his word says he can do, that he can set the captive free, that in him that there is freedom. That's what you're putting on trial. You're not putting me on trial. You're putting God's word, his blood on trial when you say that can't happen. You know, my dad was a drunk, so I'm going to be a drunk too. It's a blame game. Why I can't be what God wants me to be. No, it's because you don't want to be anything in my life that I've ever said, I want this, this, or this. I've attained it. 
Not because I'm not because of me. I'm just saying that I had passion about it and I went for it and I made decisions so that I could attain this or that, whatever it was. Uh, you have to make your mind up that that's what you want. I remember when my wife and I went broke. I mean, I didn't have two pennies to rub together. And I remember going down the road and thinking to myself, I won't be here forever. There was some rice and beans and beans and rice and some green beans and some vanilla sausage eaten for a long time around our house. We drove one vehicle and we done all these things, but I made up my mind. I didn't like where I was at and I'm not going to hang around this place. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go do something. I'm getting out of this broke. Until you make up your mind, you can stay where you are and you'll wallow and you'll die there. But when you make up your mind and say, whoa, wait a minute. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. God didn't call me to stay here. He called me out of here. Come on, watch this. My brother was an addict, and that's why I'm an addict. Come on, this is a blame game. No, it's not. It's your choice to be that way. My mama slept around. That's why I sleep around. No, no, no. God has saved you. He's cleansed you. He's healed you. No, you don't have to. had a drinking problem or have a drinking problem and you're wondering why that you can't get past this it might be because you keep the mini bar at your house still stopped if you have a lust problem it might be that you're still paying for HBO and Cinemax and Playboy Channel come on this is hard But I'd rather preach hard to you and you leave here saying, I don't like what you preach, preacher, and you make it to heaven. I'm okay with that. I got thick enough skin for you to tell me you don't like what I'm preaching as long as it's the word. If you had a drug problem, listen to me. Some of you in here know people, might be you. If you had a drug problem or have a drug problem, and you got your dealer, listen, or your doctor on speed dial to get your drugs, you're the problem. There's more addicts that start in the hospital room or the emergency room or the doctor's office than any other place. And we think it's just for those people that don't have any sense, that was uneducated, didn't have any money. That's baloney. Most drug addicts, alcoholics, before they became one, had more money than you ever thought. But they lost it all because they got deceived. And I'll guarantee you it started out because they was hiding behind a fig leaf. Say, nobody, nobody even smelt that, that one beer on my breath when I went to church. Nobody knew I was loopy when I was sitting there. They thought I was in the spirit. You know? <laughs> oh, you was in the spirit, are you? You've been out there on the Indian reservations doing them wine and spirits. 
Come on. Verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? I don't know if I can handle God asking me that question. Oh, I know He's asked me. I just didn't hear Him. I can hear Him when I do something crazy. Marty, what have you done? Is that is that what I told? Is that it? I didn't tell you that. What have you done? What did Eve? always blame Eve watch this look at Eve Eve said the serpent deceived me and I ate she didn't make any bones about it I was deceived and I ate I know what you said I shouldn't eat it but I was deceived and I ate it I was standing behind the fig leaves I didn't know Adam was watching God I didn't know you was looking and I reached and I ate it woman What have you done? Sir, ma'am, in this church house today, what have you done that would keep you from serving God? That would keep you from being a kingdom builder, a worshiper, come on now, a worshiper, a servant of the Lord, using your talents for God. What have you done? Oh, I used to. What have you done? Oh, but I used to teach the class. What have you done? I used to be on the worship team. What have you done? I used to teach kids. What have you done? I used to be a prayer. What have you done? I used to be a worshiper, but now I'm not. What have you done? That's what God's asking you. What have you done? Why are you not doing it? That's what he's saying. Why are you not? Did God change? Did God tell you not to? No, no, he didn't tell you to do those things I'm speaking of. You find those things throughout the Bible. To be a worshiper. One of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You're supposed to come to church. You're supposed to read your Bible. Put these precepts in your heart. Do not let them leave it. Put it as a frontlet between your eyes and remember it. Teach it to your kids and their kids and their kids. These things I'm teaching you and telling you to do is not something I come up for a good thing to say that this is all to weep what the church looks like. No, it's what the church should be. It has nothing to do with what I think. It has to do with what God's word says. And if his word says it, then I have a question for you. What have you done? What are you doing? It's called rebellion. I've got to hurry or at least finish. What makes you want to hide behind fig leaves? Your pastor's question to you. What makes you and me want to hide behind fig leaves? It's a simple answer. The knowledge that you have sinned. It is sin. It is sin. It is sin that makes us hide from God. It's rebellion. Sin, the Bible teaches that sin separates us from God. Did God sin? 
No. Who sinned? You. Who do you think the separation came from? You. Me. What makes you want to run from God? Instead of throwing yourself on the altar of His mercy. Sin. Like Eve. Pride of life. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. I want it. It makes me feel good. Makes me feel needed. I like it. Smells good. Tastes good. Feels good. It's right. I enjoy being this way. God that is able to forgive you of that sin but preacher I got time preacher you don't know what I'm going through well I don't know how much time you got and I don't know what you're going through you're right but while you're here you ought to be doing everything you can for God if you knew you were going to die tomorrow three children at home and you knew tomorrow at five o'clock you were going to die there would be a checklist of priorities that you would try to accomplish you would make sure that the life insurance thing was found that your wife knew how to proceed with that tomorrow You would try to call the undertaker to make sure your arrangements was taken care of. You would try to talk to your kids and you'd sit down with them. You'd say, now you got to know Jesus. Daddy's going to leave tomorrow, but you need to know Jesus. You need to get right with Jesus. And and you would lay out the whole plan of salvation for them. And you'd be calling your brothers, your mothers, your fathers, sisters, all those folks that were close to you. And you'd be telling them, guess what, I'm going to die tomorrow, but I don't want you to to go to hell. And Man, you'd get busy, wouldn't you? Your whole, your priorities would change. Just like that. So, you can't quit. You can't give up. Is there a command for you to quit? You know when Moses quit? When he died. Moses wanted to quit a lot of times. I believe that with all of my heart. But he kept doing what God called him to do until God called him home. You, you got to keep doing. I heard a preacher, my preacher told me this one time, my pastor. He said, Marty, now when you get saved and you get busy in the church, bloom. I mean, uh, stay planted till you bloom. And then when you bloom, blossom. You know what he was saying? Stick it out. Wait till God is finished with you. And then, guess what? There may be another area of church he's dealing with you to go to and do be in. But stick it out. When you don't, listen to me. When you don't, you're rebelling against God. You think, you, do you think somehow, I get amazed at people. Because I've been in church all my life. 
all of my life. I've been in church. And I get amazed at people. And this is not happening to this church. So do not, if you listen to this, this is not happening at this church. But there's an uprising against the pastor. And they think, well, I'll show him. Are you for real? Oh, pastors come and go like the ticking of a clock. You've done something wonderful here. You've kept me around for almost 11 years. The average pastoral stay is 2.3 years. I'm due to be gone a long time. But we think that we're to rebel some way, that we're rebelling against the pastor or the leadership of the church because we don't like something. Can I tell you what? If you rebel and that pastor stays and he's doing a good thing, you rebelled against God. I didn't say if he's a quack. I said if he's doing what God called him to do and he's preaching this word and you rebel, you're going to lose. You know what that is? You listen to me. I'm going to close in just a minute. You know why that is? Because you have a problem with authority. Did you hear what I said? You have a problem with authority. I bet you have the same problem at your work. I bet you have the same problem at home. No, I don't have any problem. I'm in charge. You have a problem. So how do we overcome the devil? That's the end of the message that we need. That's the thing we need to know. How do we overcome the devil? Well, number one, we got to know your word. You got to know the word of God. That's what tripped Eve up. She added something to the word of God that wasn't in there. And the devil said, let me step in on this. And he created doubt when he shoved her against the tree and said, see, you're not dead. You're still alive. Step over here. You're going to live. See, you're not going to die. Surely you're not going to die. Don't add to what God says. Don't make up stuff. It's not because you think it in your head that that's what God said. There may be some things that you want God to do and you take that and you build a a doctrinal foundation on it and you think this is God and now you're mad at God because he didn't do what you thought he ought to do or what you thought was doctrine. Number two, know your weaknesses. Know your weaknesses. I know my weaknesses. Guaranteed, I know them. There's a long list of them. And I have them prioritized in the thing that would cause me the most damage the quickest. That's at the top of my list. I keep a guard on that. You better know yours. Because if you don't, I'm telling you, the devil's going to come knocking on your soul, on your heart, on your mind and say, hey, hey. <laughs> And he's going to attack you in that area that is the weakness in your life. Satan will often attack a chain at its weakest link. Now look, he doesn't always attack there. But he often attacks at the weakest link. So he gets to Adam at, by tempting Eve. He didn't go to Adam. He went to Eve. We can say what we want to, but Eve appears in this story to be the weakest link.
the stronger ones in the chain must expect attacks in weaker areas or weaker links and support those weak links against the attack. You say, Pastor, I, I don't really understand. I had an anger problem for a long time. Still got one. It's really suppressed. Come on, you can ask my son. He said, I don't know. He tell you. He still loves me anyway. Y'all just don't know what kind of man he is. But guess what I do? I got to keep that. I know that it may be like this right now, but it's still at the top of my, my chain, my list because of this. Because I know that's a problem for me. That is a problem for me. Now, I'm just speaking to me. You, you insert what your problem is. But you got to be like me. You got to be honest. And even though I may have that under control, the moment I take my eyes off of it, the enemy jumps up on my shoulders and said, you ought to be mad about that. And if I ain't careful, I get mad about that. So what do I do? I try to surround my myself with people that don't get angry fast hello you get two angry people together and they get mad fast you see what happens I can just read in the uh, Chico County Spectator pastor got mad they had a slug fast come join LVA church if you like a good church you see how that would spiral down real fast that's why you better keep your eye on your weak link Better You better expect it for cracks. Because that's all the devil needed when he talked to Eve. He just needed a crack. He just needed a little bit of something to put his foot on and say, ha ah, that ain't what God said. And I'm fixing to prove it to you that God's lying to you. I'm going to create doubt in your life. Bam! You ain't dying. See? Get off that woman. You ain't dead. Get up. Lord, I got to hurry. Adam's weakness was ineffectively communicating to Eve the one thing that would have made them victors instead of victims. And that is what God said. Adam got it firsthand what God said. Somewhere from the head of the household to Eve, there was some miscommunication going on. This is what God said. Eve added to it. It's one thing not to remember what God said, but it's another thing to add something he didn't say. When you don't feel the need to serve God in the local church body, or you make up excuses why you can't serve, you are not, listen to me, you're not being deceived like Eve. You're embracing the sin as Adam reached out and grabbed that fruit and he partake of it, partook of it. He didn't get deceived. He took of it. He openly, with eyes wide open, said, I want to sin. I want to do what God said not to do. What? I think personally, we're there. Adams 
saying, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know it's wrong to not read my word, but I don't want to. I know it's wrong that I, 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 I need to go to church and I need to serve in the church and I need, I need, to, be a, 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 I need to be a fruitful member. I know it's wrong, but I ain't going to. You're not deceived. You don't want to. You're embracing and say, I don't want to. I'm an Adam. I'm going to sin the way I want to. I'm going to rebel because I want to. Not because I was deceived. Oh, that's good. Get me close. The nakedness of Adam and Eve. The unadulterated purity Two people completely naked meant there was no sin. None. There was no shame. There was no guilt. There was no condemnation. Nothing. Watch this. What God made pure, holy, and beautiful, man tainted, perverted, and made so ugly that it had to be covered up. That's what sin, that's what rebellion does in your life. You want to cover it up with excuses of why you can't. You cover it up. You grab your fig leaves and you say, this area of my life I want to cover. And this area I want to cover. And this area I want to cover. And this area I want to cover. I want to cover these areas in my life. Because they're ugly. Those areas weren't ugly when you were actually participating in them, were they? like ministry and praying and reading your Bible and serving. No. What makes them ugly now? Because you don't want to. And why does this have to be covered up? Because they did not like what God had said. So they made up their own rules and said, God, I'm my own person. I'll do it like I want to. Come on, he'd already told Eve she was going to die and she's not dead. Huh, I'm not going to die. I'll do what I want to, God. Preacher, man, that's tough. You look around this building this morning. Well, preacher, now we can go hunting. I didn't say nothing about hunting. Preacher, we can miss church. Oh, you can't. Do you understand this? You don't have to come to church. You don't have to go to heaven either. You mean coming to church makes you go to heaven? Mm-hmm. But if you get in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to want to come to church more than you miss church. You're going to want to serve more than you don't serve. You're going to want to teach some children the kingdom and the principles of God more than you don't want to teach them. You're going to want to get involved in what God's doing in His business more than you're not. That is a clear signal. It's not a problem. You just need more fig leaves. Because we can still see. And I pray that we got people that attend this church at LVA Church that are watching this online.
And I pray you hear what your pastor's saying in his heart. That we need you to help us come build the kingdom for your kids, for your wives, your lives, your, your husbands, your family. We need you. Will you stand with me across the spill?